Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blutville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're in chapter 17 of the Gospel according to John. This is Christ Jesus praying for us. It's his prayer of intercession. He's praying for those who are his followers at the time of the prayer, and he's praying for his followers, we see in verse 20, uh, who come in the future, and that includes you and me. This is the high priestly prayer of Christ. It's also the real Lord's Prayer, not to be confused with the model prayer, which is also called the Our Father. But uh, the Lord's Prayer in reality is this prayer of John chapter 17, but we'll call it the high priestly prayer and therefore not confuse you, hopefully. We've gone through the first five verses. I want to read them again for context and we'll continue. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. In verse 3, we see that eternal life is more than an endless existence. It is a relationship, a personal relationship, with God Almighty. When he speaks in verse 4, I have finished... It speaks of the very fact that he has made perfect or has completed uh, this thing of the work which God had called him to do. He's at that point of completion. And so the active ministry of Christ is over. He assumes a passive role now. Uh, In um, chapter 19, verse 30, we'll see it is finished. And that is the passive voice suggesting that he has by then finished his passive ministry as well as his active ministry. And that will be on the cross when he says, it is finished. Now, Jesus gave a clear testimony of his preexistence here in verse 5 of chapter 17. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. There are those, of course, who believe that Jesus the Christ basically showed up on earth 
and had not existed prior to that. Well, we know better than that. And his preexistence is testified to here. He was very God, co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And so that is important for us to make note of in this, the high priestly prayer. The celestial glory that Christ speaks of there in verse 5 of chapter 17, Jesus had from the beginning. However, it was veiled or temporarily hidden while he was here on earth. At the ascension of Christ, Jesus was both glorified and transfigured. And we'll see that later on. It's interesting to contrast the post-resurrection appearances of Christ with the post-ascension revelations. In the post-resurrection appearances of Christ, he's often concealed his glory to the point that he was not recognized. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, for example, quoted in Luke chapter 24, did not recognize him as being who he was, not as the Christ, the Son of the living God. How about Mary Magdalene, who thought he was a gardener, in John chapter 20, verse 14. The post-ascension revelations involve his radiant appearance. The difference between John's meeting with Christ in John 21 and in Revelation 1 was that of seeing the resurrection body not glorified, and of later seeing the transformed and celestial body, the glorified body, of Jesus Christ. Someday Christians will also be glorified together with Christ. We find that in Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And, of course, we see it here in John 17, verse 1. And so we must understand this glorification of Christ, the post-resurrection and the post-ascension way that Christ is revealed, not only to us, but to all those others who will see him, at that time. Verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of this world, out of the world thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Now notice in these verses, we are told that the very words that Christ spake were given to him from God Almighty. The very words that Christ spake in and of themselves were rich, were full, and should be obeyed because they're from God the Son, the Son of God. But they also are from God the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth as well. And they're from God the Holy Spirit. And so here we are to understand the importance of the word and words that are given to us in Scripture. These are the inspired, infallible, authoritative words of God. And every word is important. And so when we study the text of Scripture, we should be 
aware of the construction of the words and how they're put together. We should be concerned about their meaning and their context. We should be making sure that we are uh, taking a look at line upon line and precept upon precept and scripture upon scripture. We're not going to jump down to verse 17, but I want to just mention verse 17 before we get there. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Where do we find truth? In the word of God. And how do we find truth? In the word of God. And how do we find truth? Yes, I'm asking it for the third time. In the word of God. And so we must be in the Word of God. We must be there. We must study the very words of God. They are important for us to study them. Not only just to read them and let them go by, but to study them. Just as Paul admonished Timothy to study to show himself approved, a workman unto God who needs not to be ashamed indeed. I pray for them, verse 9, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. How important is it that we be one with the Father, one with Christ, one with the Spirit? It's important. Christ wants us to work together in unity just as he and the Father and the Spirit work together in unity at all times. There is no disunity, there's no disloyalty among the three persons of the Godhead, ever. And so there should not be among the followers of Jesus Christ. Yes, I realize we're dealing with human beings. And yes, I realize that sometimes we are not as wise as we should be. We're not as, as harmless as we should be. But I also realize that love covers a multitude of sins and it makes right a number of wrongs. And we must love one another, we're told. I thought it was interesting the other day I was traveling and I was on a uh, flight uh, coming back home. And I was a little, oh, I guess a little tired because it had been a long day. And I did not have any internet service on my uh, handheld device. And so I checked out my Bible on my handheld device, which I've used to preach from, by the way, in some, some places, uh, when I didn't have my book, the Bible, in my hands. And I went to this portion of Scripture in John chapter 17, and I was so comforted in my tiredness 
to know that we are, you and I, as followers of Christ, are one with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit, and we're one with each other because Christ prayed that it would be so. Now, do you think that God Almighty, in the person of Jesus Christ, who was God Almighty himself, and the Spirit, God Almighty as the Spirit, is going to deny one of the three persons of the Godhead? He's going to be denied a request of himself? <laughs> no. No. Now, I, I could go in many directions with that, but it's, it's the truth. When God asks of himself something, he provides it for himself because he has the ability to do so. And he says here, he's not praying for the world. He's praying for those that were given to him. And he says, keep them through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we. Oh, I got such wonderful excitement when I reread that on that plane. Here I was, cut off from family and friends, on a journey, no way to contact them uh, by phone or by email or by text or by anything else. And I was in that quietness asking God to help me as I was preparing for his work. And he sent me to this scripture and absolutely blessed my soul. My friend, do you realize that Christ prayed for you and prayed for me and prayed for us together to be one as he and the Father and the Spirit are one? Oh my, what excitement that gives my soul. Verse 12 of chapter 17, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. None was lost except Judas. Judas Issacharit. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Notice that Christ was praying for us that his joy would be manifest within us. Think about that. You are carrying around within you the joy of Jesus Christ. Not just the joy of knowing Christ, but the very personal joy of Jesus Christ is part of who you are in Christ Jesus. That they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is truth. How are we made holy? And that's where sanctifying comes in. How are we made holy? We are made holy or separate unto God for his purpose. We're set apart unto God by sanctification, by reading the word, by the washing of the word, the scripture tells us, by reading the word because the word is truth and will bring us into all truth. The Holy Spirit of God will teach us from the word of God. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. You've been given a job. You've been given a duty. The duty is to do what Christ has sent you to do. Notice, sanctify them in or with thy, through thy truth, with thy truth, through thy truth, in thy truth, thy word is truth. This tells us that the word of God is inerrant. That means without error, no contradiction, no need for correction. When applied to scripture, the term inerrancy means that what God revealed and inspired is accurate, reliable, authoritative, and without error. Since all scripture is inspired, every word of God is true. Just as a book reflects the character of its writer, so scripture is without error because God is without fault. Jesus upheld the principle of inerrancy when he preached in Nazareth. He carefully stopped his reading in the middle of the service before announcing the fulfillment of scripture that day. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, and in Luke 4, 18. The rest of the Isaiah passage will be fulfilled at his second coming. As we read the scripture, we can have total confidence in their reliability and their accuracy. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so he sent us into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's me and you, my friend. Not only those that were in his party of followers, but those of us who came later have been prayed for by Almighty God, Jesus Christ himself. As he was in the flesh and before he went to the cross, he prayed for you. And so it might be said as with the, um, the gospel song, uh, when, I was on, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That's the idea here. Uh, when Christ was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. He says he's praying for us in verse 20. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, 
which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And we go back to verse 17. Sanctify them through thy word, through thy truth, the scripture says. Thy word is truth. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumble, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.